So we'll pray. If somebody wants to let the youth know that we're going to play the video here in just a second. Uh, sorry. We'll sing another song too. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Pastor Adams, you're all, you're all the way up here already. So go ahead and open us in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Allow us to be back in your house. Tonight, Lord, we thank you for uh, missionary family that uh, uh, Clark is with us, I believe. Pray bless them, Lord, and help them uh, going to New Zealand. And Lord, we do thank you for everything you're doing in our church. We pray you meet us again tonight. Bless everything that's done. We pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Um, give us just just a second here before we start the video. Um, it, remember, everybody, when we're talking about missions, it is missions emphasis month. So uh, you want to make sure you get your faith promise cards filled out and turned in. You put them in the missions box there um, and uh, I'm excited that uh, when I look in the slot of the missions box all I see is a bunch of these so hopefully they're filled out and not just a bunch of people stuffing in blank ones in there so I'm also stalling for do we have youth coming up right now no yes no are they not they're all sitting in their seats okay <clears throat> Let, let me know if they're not going to come up, then that's okay. It's going to be a moment. Okay, tell you what, let's sing another song, then we'll play the video. I, we just like to let the youth, you know, be exposed to missions as well. So, um, how about 403? If I can find it here. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Amen. Amen. I, almost, I feel like that almost should have an exclamation point instead of a question mark. Right. Even though it starts out with isn't, like it's a question. You know, y'all remember Myers, my, the, the Myers stores? Um, it would have up on, the, up on the entrance, why pay more, exclamation point instead of question mark. When I was in high school, my English teacher said um, that she, she had us do a writing assignment to mail... A bunch of letters to the manager at Kroger, asking, explaining why uh, their exclamation point was bad grammar, and they needed to change it to a question mark. And she said that if anybody actually got them to change it, 
that they would just automatically get an A and they didn't have to come to class for the rest of the year. And so I always remember that. So I, I like hand delivered the letter, uh, but I didn't, they didn't change it. So isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Bring them on up. We're going to sing this song and then play. What? During the preaching? Okay, then we'll do this right before the preaching. Okay. All right. So sometimes we uh, we just go with whatever we, we got to go with here. So, amen. That's what happens when I don't talk to the youth uh, leader before we start service. So. All right. There will never be a sweeter story. You can come back up if you want to play the, no? The, the uh, whatever we call that thing. Alright. <clears throat> there will never be a sweeter story. Story of a Savior's love divine. Love that brought him from the realms of glory. Just to save a sinful soul like mine. Is the love of Jesus something We have missionaries with us tonight, uh, the Klug family uh, to New Zealand. And so um, looking forward to the presentation. Well, I already watched most of the presentation, but looking forward to the rest of it and uh, Brother Klug preaching this evening. Um, and uh, we, are, um, we are also going to be, we, we had a meeting this afternoon uh, about... Uh, Pastor Adams and his family and, and the team that he's going to uh, assemble <clears throat> for the church planting in Plainfield uh, for our ch first church plant. Uh, and so be on the lookout for plans to have uh, just kind of a, a, a simple send-off, something of, 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 of a simple send-off of sorts. Maybe we, do, maybe we do kind of something during our pie and praise on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, because they're going to start having uh, some services uh, down on the southeast side, or southwest side, sorry, southwest side, um, just about 15 minutes away from uh, Plainfield to begin to prepare the planter team uh, for the church planting. And so they're going to they're gonna begin that the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And so 
uh, be in prayer for them definitely, and then we'll we'll be uh, uh, shipping them off at least for that the the morning or early afternoon, late morning time uh, for that, <clears throat> and uh, uh, pray for wisdom and direction and provision. Amen. And uh, so that being said, pie and praise on. Wow, that week's going to be crazy. We have Pie and Praise on Wednesday, Thanksgiving on Thursday, uh, Circle of Lights uh, Evangelism downtown on Friday, Saturday, the, the church security meetings, <coughs> Sunday, uh, the uh, Plainfield Planting Prep um, meetings begin. Amen. That's exciting. Uh, and then uh, I think that's it for November, and then it will be next year. After you know Christmas and New Year's and all that. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, just December's just we're just gonna skip on to next year. So, um, but no. So in December, of course, there's a youth rally on the second, and then um, the um, uh, that the Christmas thing, and uh, and it's actually on Sunday. So we'll have some special services for Christmas Day. Uh, <clears throat> not going to cancel services, but we might do uh, like the early in, early out kind of thing where we, we come, we'll have breakfast for Sunday school, do our morning service, uh, maybe we'll have lunch or something and then have an early evening service and be done for the day and everybody go do their thing for Christmas. Um, and uh, then uh, New Year's will be on a Saturday. New Year's Eve is on a Saturday. We're still having watch night service. We're still still going to have some people here till midnight then we're still having Sunday morning service after that and so um, we, we would prefer not to allow people to sleep here on that night uh, if you fall asleep we will wake you up and make you leave uh, so that you can come back for service in the morning <clears throat> but anyhow that's the plan yes it happens every once in a while that there is a New Year's Eve right before a Sunday uh, we just do it and live with it so we will probably not have our normally scheduled visitation on that Saturday we will encourage people to visit their beds and sleep so that they can have enough sleep for Sunday the next day after having stayed up most of the night Saturday night I will need to do that because I get up at 530 on Sunday mornings and so Leaving here at three, and I'm just kidding. Leaving here at at twelve oh five, and then you know, uh, getting up is going to be difficult. So um, there's there's all our random talk about those things. Don't forget our regularly scheduled activities as well uh, with the uh, mission preaching, happy days, uh, um, uh, Saturday morning. Bible study at Happy Days, uh, and then uh, with, with Pastor Gimlick and Simple Steps on Fridays with Brother Ramsey, and anything else that I'm forgetting is on your bulletin, or it's not, and someone will tell you. Um, <clears throat> there's a lady self-defense class that's forming. See my wife for details. So I think that's it for now. Let's go ahead and make ready for the offering. Young men, come help us. And sister, yes, come.
just saying that he points. All right. Um, really well held. It's very thorough. started I thought of Christmas uh, we don't have a rule against Christmas songs in church outside of the Christmas season I'm fine we could just we could sing the first Noel anytime I was fine with me uh, but uh, it reminded me though that our radio station needs Christmas music I forgot to mention that uh, we have two hours of Christmas music right now which won't work for 45 days or whatever it is. How many days is it from Brother Wilhelm? How many days is it from the the 25th through the first of the year? 20, 42? Okay, 42 days. So 42 days from now to Christmas? Or 40? Okay. What I was trying to calculate is 42 days or not 42. How many days is it from the day from from Thanksgiving to the first of the year? 31. 31. All right. So 31 days-ish, two hours of music played over and over and over again for 31 days is not going to work out real well. So if you have any, and I have to qualify this, if you have any of our style of music that's Christmas 
theme. And when I say our style, I mean conservative, doctrinally sound Christmas music. If you have any, you can loan the CD to us. We'll grab it, throw it on the radio station, and, and we'll, we'll put it on there. We, our radio station is a startup. We actually just started, what, two weeks ago? Just, just went live two weeks ago. Um, and so uh, we've got right now about a whole day, like 24 hours, and it randomly plays the same, not the same, but it's all the same music, but it plays a different randomization every hour so it's it's uh it, it's a, it's enough variety to where it's not like you're listening to the same stuff all the time um but we also need more music for that so um or we're gonna have to put some of the instrumental in mixed in right now it's all vocal we have instrumental though that we can mix in and that'll give us another about 12 hours or so but <clears throat> anyhow see brother bella uh, to uh, get that on there. If you have MP3, that's better because it saves us from having to like go through the process of, of putting it. Yeah, it's, it's a whole lot easier if you have a thumb drive, MP3, anything like that. So let us know. Um, I personally like college music, like music from colleges, local Baptist colleges. That's cool. Uh, we have a lot of that. Um, but. Uh, <coughs> We actually, I don't know if they do or not, but we have like a lot of their music. They do? We don't have any Christmas stuff from them. Right now we have, you can? All right. Amen. If you can get it mp 3 that's even better. But All right, amen. So that's that. Let's sing another song. Uh, how about 433? <clears throat> 433. Since I have been redeemed. You can remain seated. <clears throat> Unless you can't. That's fine. You know, we usually say, stand with me if you can. You can remain seated if you can. <clears throat> it means if you can't, you can stand. You know, it's up to you. So, All right. I, I have a song that... No, that's the wrong... Hold on. I, I'm, I'm thinking about a different song. I have a song that Jesus gave me, right? That was sent from heaven above. In my heart there rings a melody. That's not this song. Amen. All right. I have a song I love to sing. equivalent of running the aisle right here you know everybody just stands up because they can't sit down amen all right i have a witness
the youth are ready to come up. <clears throat> All right, we'll sing one more song while we wait. 457. 457. <clears throat> to God be the glory. 457. <clears throat> this is like totally the opposite of junior church. It's like, all right, during this song, <laughs> if you're downstairs, come on in. All right. <clears throat> unless he's going, unless he just, I mean, unless he just got the itch to preach and just went off and preaching, that's fine too. They left? <laughs> well, whatever, okay. <clears throat> it's been known to happen. Huh? You smelling something, huh? Amen. All right. To God be the glory. come in and be seated so that there's not any interruption. <clears throat> come on in, come on in. Come on in. Alright. Amen. Come on in. Do we, do we have, we don't have nursery age children, do we, tonight? No nursery age children. All right, that means no nursery 
at all. All right? So no nursery-aged children. That means nobody's in the nursery. No teenagers. No adults. Nobody. No mice. Nobody. Evict them all. Bugs, flies, everything. All right. <clears throat>
and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to Zealand needs shepherds. During 2020, we were able to meet virtually with some churches in New Zealand as our survey trip had to be postponed. One of these churches, Sunshine Independent Baptist Church, grew close to our hearts. Pastor Lewis Howell, a veteran missionary, invited us to work with him at his church when we arrived in the country. We ask that you pray that God will continue to meet our needs as we continue our dedication and prepare for the mission field. So as I say in New Zealand, Kiora, and until next time. Auto loop. Amen. <laughs> Alright. Let's have some lights here. The song, the song that you didn't hear is the, um, the national anthem. We'll let him explain that and maybe ask some questions. All right. All right. Uh, <clears throat> my voice has been trying to go all day, so I apologize if you can't hear me too well. All right. So, looking at the, uh, looking back at the video there, we can see New Zealand is is really one of the most beautiful countries in the world. You have snow-capped mountains, you have tropical beaches, you have uh, wildlife, uh, you know, you saw pictures of kiwi and sheep, and then they have sheep, and uh, they have all different kinds of wildlife, like sheep, and, uh, you know, <coughs> nearly 40 million of them for the 5 million people. So, uh, you know, some of the script actually almost kind of writes itself, but uh, New Zealand is a, thank you again, they're, they're needy people. Now, they're not like India, where you have 1.6 billion people. It's not like China where you have 2 billion people. For that matter, it's not even like the state of Indiana where you have 7 million people. New Zealand is only 5 million people. But when you look at the, the chart that I showed you, you realize you have half the population is either Catholic or Anglican. Well, they believe their good works will get them to heaven. Then you have the other half of the population where they're either, they believe they're either there is no God or they don't need God. As a matter of fact, part of their problem is they have such a beautiful country and they have a socialist government. So they're living in a beautiful land. Everything is supplied for them. And in fact, some of them even believe they're already in heaven. Now, to think that this world here would be heaven, what kind of hope does that leave for those people? 
Now, 15% of the population is the Maori. You saw them during the, the beginning of the video in their, in their tribal gear. They were dedicating a youth center, a Maori youth center. And the Maori religion is a lot of earth worship, which we know is witchcraft. Yep. So I don't know what they feel their afterlife is, but obviously we know that it's not going to be a very good one. So God has called us to be church planting missionaries to New Zealand. And we're going to go work alongside Brother Howell. And as you saw, some of the ministry that they do, they hand out tracts in the public square. They sing hymns and they minister to people right in the public. And that's, that's a lot of what we'll be doing there. We'll, help, we'll come alongside and help Brother Howell with, with his church while we work on getting our residency in the, on the island. And once we receive our residency, then we're able to move about the country and plant our own work. Now, we're not sure exactly where that's going to be yet. Our survey trip was canceled due to COVID. But like you said in the video, we did an online survey trip, if you will, and we talked with a bunch of other pastors and missionaries that were in the country, and we feel like God really knit our heart to Sunshine Independent Baptist Church. So we're so excited to go there. And even though we've not been there and we've not put our feet on that land yet, my heart aches for the people of New Zealand. Every single day I get up in the morning and I pray for the people of New Zealand. How, they, how some of them, even in half the population, have never even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need shepherds. And is what I want to do is once we plant a church, I want to start a Bible institute. I want to train nationals how to go out from our planted church and start their own works if need be. Or just go out and maybe be evangelists or missionaries to the South Island and, and other areas. And for that matter, it's been said that the United States is the next big mission field. And maybe we'll send some back here for you guys. <laughs> so, but that's, uh, that's what our goal is. That's, our, that's what we feel God is leading us to do. Let me get this cough drop real quick. And uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's what we got going on. Does anyone have any questions about New Zealand or our ministry? Yes, sir. Um. Is what it did is it caused the government to shut to take a heavy hand towards uh, firearms is all it did. As far as I know, it didn't bring people to church. The shooting was was in a mosque in Christchurch. Um, it caused the government to to start banning basically all firearms, and um, I, I don't think it really caused too much of a spiritual awakening for them. So Christ Church is, is uh, one of the cities on the South Island. Um, so when, when New Zealand was settled by the English, they, you know, they were Catholic and such, and so they named it Christ Church. That's all. It is not, no. The, the largest city is Auckland. It's on the North Island, and it contains about two and a half million. Half the population alone lives in Auckland. They, they fit into that 50% other or that little sliver of other religion where you have Muslim, you'll have Buddhism, you'll have Jedi, I think, is recognized as a religion down there. Um, all kinds of stuff. English. English is required to live there. So even the Maori people uh, speak English. Yes. Uh, being that they're close, I'm sure they do. Uh, they do affect. They're they're both Commonwealths of England. New Zealand was very restricted as well. In fact, um, they gave their citizens 48 hours to go out and get supplies 
before they locked them in their homes indefinitely. And it wasn't like, like here where they suggest you stay home and you can still go do what you want. This was police and military enforced stay at home orders. And uh, so they gave them a 48 hour notice. Now, Pastor Howell, he went to, to the church house and he got his uh, hymnals and he went and visited everyone and handed out hymnals so they could do an online service. And that's how I got connected with him was they were using Skype at first because Pastor Howell wanted his online church service to be personal. He wanted to be able to say, hey, what's your prayer requests and have you know live feedback. And so are the two the they're, they're both socialist, yes. They're both to the same side, yeah. So, I think I, I think I'm answering your question. I hope so. Did you have a question here in the red shirt? Oh, okay. Okay, that was that was something here that we were talking that we would like to talk about now. <clears throat> in an, in in a short answer, no, not really, not as far as independent Baptists are concerned, not as far as churches that preach the truth and use the King James Bible in our soul conscious, there's not many at all. When we were first called to missions and we were first, uh, when God led us to, to land on, the, on, on New Zealand as our mission field, we did a search, you know. A lot of young people find, you guys find everything online these days, even, even I do. So how are you going to find a church? Well, we found you guys even online for that matter. But when you do a search in New Zealand for independent Baptist churches that in, in 2019, when we looked, there were 20 churches. That's 20 independent Baptist churches that you can find online for 5 million people. That's not very many. There's more than 20 independent Baptist churches just in Indianapolis. And I know just our drive down here, we passed more than 20. Now, we did a search more recently, just a few weeks ago, and we found only 12 are now remaining. Because <clears throat> between COVID lockdowns, where people couldn't go to church, or perhaps they were missionary planted churches where they maybe the missionary was on furlough or or whatnot these some of these churches have dissolved and, and disappeared and uh it's a very sad state over there the food culture they love to eat um they have they i mean it there's a lot of they a lot of eat they eat a lot of fish um they don't eat so much lamb believe it or not because there, there's a stigma against eating export meat. You know, it, you, you'd be like a, I'm not sure the word that they use for it. There's a Maori word for it, which is kind of uh, not real nice to say. But, um, um, but uh, yeah, there's kind of a stigma against eating export meats. But they eat a lot of fish uh, and, and that kind of stuff. I believe so. I've not looked into that. I know there's um, some of the some of the best surfing you can do is down that way. So I would assume there's some type of reef to kick those waves up. Yeah, they they export a lot of the wool. So uh, a lot of your best world's best wool comes out of New Zealand. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. They're actually beating Australia. I don't I don't have any bias towards New Zealand, of course, but. No, their their wool is is really good stuff. So, the climate. Uh, well, on the North Island, um, <clears throat> right now it's winter time. It's, it's well, no, I'm sorry, it's becoming summertime because the seasons are reversed. The year-round average for the weather is in the upper 70s to lower 80s. So, um, we're, we're going to be suffering for the Lord for sure. But when. <laughs> 
but when you get when you go to the South Island, you actually get snow. You get more seasons like us because you're you're moved away from the equator, and they have um, the higher mountain ranges are south. Um, but the weather is is very favorable. The humidity is pretty low. They do have a rainy season, but the rainy season lasts for maybe just a couple of weeks. And then during the middle of the summer, you might get a couple of days where it might hit 90, but that's all. It's very, it's not real common. Rugby. They love rugby. Uh, the All Blacks, the New Zealand All Blacks, they are one of the best rugby teams in the world. Um, they get up, uh, um, so they, they, they uh, what am I trying to think of here? Before they play, they'll, they'll do the haka, which is a, a Maori uh, tribal dance that they do. I'm not going to do it for you. It would be embarrassing both to me and the entire nation of New Zealand. But uh, <coughs> I, I would guess someone would see it, and they'd be like, no, the Klugs aren't allowed here because of the way he did the haka. But uh, it, it, the haka is a, um, a traditional Maori tribal dance that, that the, the Maori used to do when they were warring against each other. And, it, and it's an intimidation um, for part of it. Other part is kind of like a prayer to Mother Earth, and then it, it ends with them uh, sticking out their tongues and making faces at each other. That really, the, the whole haka is is this like Mother Earth protect us as we go to war, and then we're going to kill them and we're going to eat them because the Maori used to be cannibals, and I praise God they're not cannibals any longer. But I really don't think I would taste very good, so I'm glad they're not cannibals. Right. The 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 Maori were originals. Now they would they would be like you know you know how the how the Hawaiians would take their canoes and their longboats across the Pacific to to Fiji and other areas. Well, they were some of those Pacific Islanders that settled on New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Oh. It can. So they're they're currently, and that's a great question. Um, currently, they're fairly open <clears throat> to, to ministering. We can go in the public square and we can preach and, we can, and we'll be, for the most part, protected by police if someone wants to come up and hassle us, which is really nice. But the current prime minister, bless her heart, she, uh, <clears throat> she wants to pass some laws that would make parts of the Bible hate speech. So <clears throat> one of the things she's proposing is, let's say, for instance, you and I were to get into a fist fight, right? And... Uh, you would probably win because I'm a terrible fighter, but um, the, the, it would be like a, like a $500 fine, and that's it, okay? Now, if I'm preaching from the Bible and I say something that offends you, now I get a $5,000 fine and 90 days in jail just for an offense, just for offending someone. And we know the Bible is meant to be offensive in some areas because that's how it convicts you to, to take care of yourself. Oh, um, I'm not sure exactly. I've not asked them the numbers there, but um, it's, it's been a successful ministry. The, the congregation runs probably about this size on a normal average Sunday. So. Um, probably more so than they would with the Christians. So the, the New Zealand government... Um, being socialists, they're also very, very liberal as well. Um, they have up-to-day-of-birth abortion laws. They have 
some very extreme euthanasia laws, um, being that it's social medicine that, you know, if grandpa breaks a hip instead of, you know, fixing his leg and letting him rehabilitate, they suggest having, you know, having him put down, which is really sad. <clears throat> but uh, then, then they're, they're, they're just passing hate speech laws that don't make any sense, and it's just kind of like what we have going on here, but even further extreme. It's been said that New Zealand is a, is a test bed to try out different laws before they push them out to other countries of the world. So, Sunlight light. What's the what? Sunlight. Sun? Is it, is it, are there, it's not, it's not that far south though, it would affect it, right? Yeah, you have normal day-night cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they are 18 hours ahead of us right now, so it is uh, 5 to 2 on Monday, 5 to 2 p.m. on Monday. Um, they do have some tsunamis, but it's not real bad at all. It's, it's mostly just you get some rain a little bit here and there. Hmm? Oh, but they do have earthquakes. In fact, uh, uh, it's not uncommon to get a minor earthquake once or twice a month. And just off the coast of where we're going to be, there's an active volcano. So, it'll be it'll be fun. I'm not sure. Sheep. Uh, a lot of tourism and a lot of filmmaking. Um, if anyone's ever seen Lord of the Rings, um, all all of those movies have been filmed there. Um, Peter Jackson can't seem to make a movie that's not in New Zealand. Um, even even a movie that he makes that says it takes place in New York is actually filmed in New Zealand. Like everything he's ever done is in New Zealand. Do they have any museums there that I know they in Australia and New Zealand went to war in World War One, they were called the Anzacs and the left we played a large part of the history. I wonder if they commemorate that Well, I'm not sure I'm sure there's probably a museum, but one of their holidays is Anzac Day and uh, it's kinda like our Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. Normally, it's triggers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, yes, sir. Oh, so that's called a giant weta. And that one is actually not even full grown. So <clears throat> the, the fun thing is, so when you, when, you look at all, when you look at Australia, all the wildlife wants to kill you. But if you look at New Zealand, none of the wildlife wants to kill you. Now, the only mammal that's indigenous to New Zealand are the bats. And so if you like bats, New Zealand's a great place to go. But if you don't, don't go there. But also, being an island, you get some really... Yeah, my wife hates bats. She's deathly afraid of them. She also doesn't like fish or oceans or flying. But guess where God called us to go, right? Uh, she says, I can do anything through God who strengthens me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a giant weta. It's a, it grows about I don't know, maybe a little bit bigger than my hand, and it's just like a big cricket. So yeah, they're pretty neat. They also have um, they they also have a flesh eating snail. Um, so that might be the only thing that would eat you, but you'd have to be really tough to not run faster than a snail. Generally, they eat like uh, carrying dead animals in the woods and whatever. So. Being chased by a snail. And most of those are albino too, so they're kind of interesting to see. Anything else? The more questions you ask, the less preaching I gotta do, so. 
<laughs> okay. The national flag, yeah, it's, uh, it looks very similar to Australia's flag, uh, except it is, so you have the Union Jack in the upper left corner, and then you have what's called the Northern Cross, it's a star constellation. Now the, the um, Australian flag has another star below the Union Jack, and that's really the only difference between the Australian flag and the New Zealand flag. Now, being that they're trying to push some, some uh, liberal agenda, and they <clears throat> like to lean on how bad colonialism is and how bad white people are for actually going to the island, they're, they actually had a contest about how to redesign the flag to remove the Union Jack because it, talks, because it says colonialism. So when it, but they obviously didn't learn from England. Remember, England had that contest to name a battleship. Does anyone remember seeing that in the news a few years back? The people named this British battleship Bodie McBoatface. So now there's an so now the, there's an HMS Bodie McBoatface out there. You know, it strikes fear into the heart of everyone who comes across it. But they had a they had an open public contest to redesign the New Zealand flag. And I can tell you, I've seen some of the submissions, and some of them are really bad. Some of them are absolutely vulgar. And then the other ones, I, I think what they might be leaning towards if they change it is they have the silver fern, which is like the, the national plant. And so they might end up just putting a silver fern on it. So, but some of the designs were absolutely horrible, you know. But, uh, well, so New Zealand is also famous. In World War II, uh, they were afraid of the Japanese attacking them, and they had no no uh, no artillery, no tanks, or anything like that. And so, because back then they were mostly a country of farmers. And I just actually just watched a documentary on this not too long ago. It was a really short one about how New Zealand made the worst tank ever created in the history of of modern warfare. And they took a Caterpillar bulldozer and they plated it with corrugated steel and put a 30 millimeter cannon on it. it. It could barely turn, it was really slow, the gun was inaccurate and it would fall apart if you shot the cannon. They only made about three of them as a prototype and then we're, we're really happy that Japan decided to not attack them. So, but hey, it's the ingenuity that counts, right? New Zealand, are, they're, a, they're a funny people. They have a wonderful dry sense of humor. So if you have a dry sense of humor, as our family does, we get along with them pretty well. Oh, yes. Of course, it's an island. They, they, they get, the, the Maori have a drink. They drink a lot. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah, alcoholism is pretty rampant. Teen suicide is pretty high per capita. And uh, it's, it's uh, they, a lot of them, they, they feel like they can't go anywhere. They feel they're stuck. And they have no future. They don't have any, any hope. Uh, the, they're, they're bleeding industry workers like crazy, like nurses and such, because being a socialist country, they set the wages for everything. And, and they, the, these, these ladies, they go through nursing school, and they rack up this big, huge bill, and then they can't pay it back. But they know that they can just go over to Australia and get paid three times more. So there, there's a lot of people who, you know, their population has actually gone down slightly over the last few years of people just leaving the country for various reasons. Yes, ma'am. In Australia, the original mm -hmm. Aboriginal are somewhat disgruntled people. Mm -hmm. um, the Maori are they better um, integrated with the English? To a degree, 
that's another thing that the government is trying to push is a dual government ship where basically the Maoris will get equal representation but separate representation than from the Kiwis. And the Kiwis is anyone who's not Maori. So you could be English, you could be uh, American, you could be Filipino, you could be Chinese, you could be whatever. If you're not Maori, you're considered Kiwi. So they're trying to set up like this weird dual government. And is what it does is it is it actually causes a divide between the Maori and, and the Kiwi. And, and it's going to just make racism worse and, and all kinds of stuff, you know, kind of like how they do here, how they try and separate for various reasons. But, and, and that's, that's just how socialism works, though, you know. You're trying to appease, appease that small group of people, and it's just, it's a mess. So hopefully the current prime minister, she's doing really bad in the political polls. You know, she's up for re-election next year, and we're praying that she gets uh, voted out and uh, that the National Party or even the new conservative party can get enough groups, can get enough people in to vote to get rid of her and maybe start turning the country around a little bit. Anyone else? Okay. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and start on this then here, and you guys can just kind of hang tight. I, I'll try not to be too long, being that it's already, you know, 8 o'clock and whatnot, and I know there's food afterwards, and I understand that one of the most dangerous places to be is in between a Baptist and their dinner, so we're going to um, get started here. Now, when we were, shortly after we were called to the missions field, and when, that, when people get called to the missions field, they start doing research on the country, and I've given you some of the, some of what I know already. <clears throat> you know, we, we did research on the population of who makes up the population and how many, and we know there's about five million people, and it's, you got the Maori and you have the others. And then we looked at how big the land size is. That was a question that we get asked a lot. If you were to take the two main islands and the 700 miniature surrounding islands and smoosh them all into one landmass, you'd have about the size of Colorado. So that's not, that's not too huge. And then uh, the fun part is, is a lot of a lot of New Zealanders, Kiwis and Maori alike, don't realize how much bigger a lot of other countries in the world are. Um, Elizabeth Howell, she, has lived, she lived in New Zealand since she was about six, came to the States for college, and she had never seen a, a four-lane divided highway before. You know, she couldn't believe how long it took to get from place to place. You can drive from the very north end of the North Island to the very south of the South Island in only 18 hours, and that includes a three-hour ferry ride in between. It's not, it's a pretty small place. And then, of course, you know, you learn about the native people, the Maori people, what they speak. You know, they only have uh, 16 characters in their alphabet. Uh, we have a card in, in the side room here on the table where you can look at it. And if you'd like, there's a, there's a, a board that has uh, a name, potentially the longest name of a place in the entire world. It has 85 characters and then I challenge anyone to go in there and try and read it. And if you read it successfully, there's a special prize for you. I'll give you a handshake and a congratulations because even I can't say it. But uh, it, it's, it's pretty remarkable and it's just the name of a hill. It's not a town, it's not a road, it's just the name of a hill. But while, I, while we're doing all this research, I came across this interesting story, and I'll use this as, as introduction here. Has anyone ever heard of James Edwin Orr? Anybody all, aside from my family, because they like to raise their hands when I ask this question. Nobody. Good. Since no one's heard of it, that'll make this story more interesting to you. Now, James Edwin Orr was born in 1912. 
His education includes earned doctorates from universities in Europe, Asia, Africa, and America, including the Doctor of Philosophy from Oxford University and the EDD, which is a Doctorate of Education, from UCLA, from UCLA in 1971. He was a professor in the School of World Mission at Fuller Theological Seminary, where he taught courses in the history of missions to career missionaries. Dr. Orr, during his travels, visited 150 countries, including the Soviet Union, and has been in two-thirds of the world's 600 major cities. This guy's been everywhere. He's obviously very smart, and he was teaching missions to career missionaries. This article I read, Dr. Orr was recalling a time in 1936. He describes it as an intense movement of the Holy Spirit at the Easter Revival Convention in Navarahuahia. That's about an hour south of Auckland on the North Island. And here's what he wrote about it. He wrote, for some time prior to this Easter campaign, an attitude of unusual expectancy had been prevalent among these people. Prayer meetings spread throughout the city with much fervency, and intercession led to widespread confession and reconciliation among the believers. Great numbers of unconverted students professed faith in Christ, and the next night was given over to exultant testimony with singing such as one expects in heaven. This revival news soon spread throughout all of New Zealand, and Dr. O reported as he was leaving New Zealand, four Maori girls approached and sang for him a beautiful Maori song of farewell. Now, as Maori song of farewell, they would sing to travelers, they'd sing to, to uh, soldiers, they would sing to tourists as they were leaving the island. And it goes something kind of like this, and I'll try my best. It says, Po Watara. Imu ya ihune, e ya reyana, keiki pa mau, ha e re ra, kahoki mayeno, ki ite tawe tangi e tune. Does that melody sound familiar to anybody? So, of course, Lily, you've, you've heard this before. But here's what it means in Maori. It says, now is the hour for me to say goodbye. Soon you'll be sailing far across the sea. While you're away, oh, please remember me. And when you return, you'll find me waiting here. Now, Dr. Orr was so impressed by the beauty of this Polynesian medley. And I can, and it, and I can kind of think about what it was like to hear this. We just came off, he just came off of this Easter campaign. People are getting saved left and right, the moving of the Holy Spirit, and he's getting ready to leave. And New Zealand, I've seen pictures of the sunsets, and I can imagine as he's, as he's getting ready to leave, he's probably on the dock, being that it's 1936, and he's getting ready to get on his ship, and he sees the sun, this beautiful sunset that God created, and with the moving of the Holy Spirit and this Polynesian medley, He's so moved by the Holy Spirit, he actually pulls an envelope out of his back pocket and he rewrites the song altogether. He's so inspired, he writes it based out of Psalms 139, 23, and 24. And if you'd like to turn your Bibles there, if you have one, go ahead and turn there. It's just a really short passage that we're going to base the rest of this message out of. Psalms 139, 23, and 24. And here's what it says. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. 
and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can come to your, your house. Lord, we just ask that you'll move in our midst tonight and speak to anybody's heart who may not know you as their own personal Savior, Lord, that, you, that they can get that taken care of tonight. Lord, we pray you just give me the liberty and the words of what needs to be said for anyone who needs to hear them. In Jesus' name, amen. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, Dr. Orkin continued his traveling campaigns through the 1930s and, 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 and later nearly through all of the English-speaking world. And it popularized this prayer hymn everywhere. Despite all the numerous accomplishments that Dr. Orr has ever done, no doubt the, he'll best be remembered as an author of this simple revival hymn text, Cleanse Me. And in fact, if you look in your own hymn book, it's on page 534, and in the upper right-hand corner it says Maori Melody, so you can fact-check me and make sure I'm just not making up a story for you. But that hymn goes like this, and we've all heard it before. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Dr. Orr was, was moved by the, the, the Easter revival. And, and in, in the psalm, we have the psalmist who's just pleading for God to give him a spiritual cleansing. So my question for you tonight is, what can we do to get this spiritual cleansing? We all need spiritual cleansing. If you want to be used by God, if you are a child of God, you should want to be used by God, and you have to have a clean spirit for that to happen. You guys have all kinds of stuff going on. And to be used by God, you need that clean spirit. Again, Psalm says, I'm going to read it one more time here. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need the spiritual cleansing so we can more clearly hear the Spirit's voice and see our Savior's face. I have just four points here about what we can do for a spiritual cleansing. And the first thing I would recommend for a spiritual cleansing is to cleanse your heart. Cleanse your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who would know it? And we live in a world these days where everything says, Follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. You know, even I like to say Disney -like has been pushing that for years. You know, a wish is a, a dream is a wish your heart makes. But Jeremiah says, Your heart is deceitful above all things. Right. Following your heart's going to do nothing but get you in trouble. But it's not what I say about cleansing your heart. It's what the Bible says, right? That's the Word of God. That's what we really need to know. So I have a list here of verses, and I'm going to go through them in a fairly quick manner here. But if you want the references later on, just come find me and I'll give them to you. The Bible has lots and lots of verses about cleansing your heart. I only put seven in my notes or else we would be here all night. Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Psalms 24.4 he that hath clean hands and a pure <clears throat> heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy 
heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. James 4, 4 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. 1 Peter 1, 22, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart. Fervently, the Bible has verse after verse after verse about cleansing your heart. Cleansing our hearts allows us to better see God. Cleansing our hearts allows us to grow closer to Him. Cleansing our heart allows us to love one another better. And cleansing our hearts allows us to receive blessings from the Lord. We have to cleanse our hearts. That's probably the shortest uh, point I have here, so... The next thing we need to do, I have in my notes, is cleanse your eyes. Let's cleanse our eyes. You know, there are millions of things out there right now that are out there to to take your eyes off God. Remember before I said I like lists. I have another list here of a few things. I just made a list of five things that that I find take my eyes off once in a while. You have the internet. Anyone have the internet at home? Takes your eyes off God. How about TV? How about all those Stupid things, all the stupid trouble the celebrities get into all the time that that is always taking our eyes off God. The 24-hour news cycle, this election we just had, it's it's just, it's taking your eyes off God. And who's got a smartphone? Tell you what, I have an issue with that one sometimes. There's a few games I like to play and I have to put a timer to kick me off the phone because if not, I might miss a Bible reading or I might miss my prayer time. Does anyone else have an issue with their smartphone taking their eyes off God? But again, it's not what I'm saying. Let's look what the Bible says about it. Psalms 119.37 says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Psalm 16.8, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. And Psalm 16.11, that will show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We have to cleanse our eyes. Realize that you will drift in the direction that you look when it comes to your eyes. Has anyone in here ever taught a teenager how to drive? I have. You have no idea. Get reassurance every time you turn that key. It's like, dear Lord, please. But you have to teach the new driver to keep their eyes focused straight ahead. If they're driving along and they start looking at what's over here, what do they do? What's the car do? It starts going over this way, right? And you got to get them back on track. And if they start looking over this way, the car starts going over this way as well, doesn't it? And you got to get them back on track. It's the same way with us in our spiritual lives and keeping our eyes clean and keeping our eyes focused on God. Keep our eyes focused on the path before us and on the race that we're set to run. If we, if we take our eyes off of God, then we drift away from God. And it might be... And, and normally, I've, I've seen this before. We've been in church for 17 or so years. I've never pastored a church, but you, you notice things. You see that people will be going to church, and then they'll miss a day. And maybe then they'll, they'll, they'll miss a, their Bible time. And maybe then they'll miss their prayer time. And then they'll miss another church service. And before they know it, they are so far away from God that they're in the, in the ditch, if you will. 
But I praise God that He is a plan better than any AAA and He will pick you up out of that ditch and put you back on the road. And all you got to do is ask Him to do so. You will drift the direction you look. If you look to the world, you'll drift to the world. We have to cleanse our eyes. Number three here, we have to cleanse our words. We have to cleanse our words. Words have a huge effect on the people around us and the things around us. You can use your words to build somebody up. You can use your will, your words to break somebody down. Your words can create something beautiful, and your words can also destroy something. Benjamin Franklin said, A slip of the foot you may soon recover, but a slip of the tongue you may never get over. Has anyone ever said something and the instant the word came out of their mouth, they thought, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm guilty of that. I've done that many times, especially in my younger years. My wife lets me know if I say something wrong. She's really, she's on that. I'm sure men, you guys understand that. But, uh, but again, what does the Bible say about, about our words and our tongues? If you want to, go ahead and turn to James 3, and we'll read 3 through 6. And this talks about, about our tongues and our words. It says, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they may be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Your tongue, being such a little bit of your body, can turn you in many directions. Just like the the bit in the horse's mouth, or the, the helm of the giant ship, which can turn it this way or that, your tongue can turn you from here to there. It says right here, it'll set, setteth on fire the course of nature. Now, what if you're having some issues with your words? Where do your words come from? The heart. So maybe if you're having some issues with your words, let's go back to step one and check your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18 through 20, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. And they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Jesus said your, your words are, defile you more than eating with dirty hands. Yeah. I like to say at this point, any kids realize Jesus just said you don't have to wash your hands before you eat as long as you keep your words good. How about that? Go talk to your parents about that. Our words should draw others. Our words should draw others to his goodness and his love. Our words should draw others to his truths. Our words should draw others to his glory. Our words should draw others to his praise. Psalms 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Our words should be acceptable to the Lord. 
If Jesus was standing right here, would you say that word? Would you tell that joke? Would you yell at that person? I drive Uber sometimes when, when, uh, when we're home. And uh, sometimes I feel I almost have an issue with some of the words. You had a red light and it turns green and you go and someone blasts through the other intersection and uh, almost hits you. But then I think of this verse right here, Psalms 141.3. It helps you with your words. It says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. If you can't say something nice, don't say something at all, I believe is what this says. Ask God to shut your mouth. If you can't say something that edifies the Lord, if you can't say something that builds someone up, just don't talk. Simple enough. God is good. He's too good, actually. And our words should reflect our testimonies. Amen. We have to cleanse our words. Right. So we have to cleanse our hearts, cleanse our eyes, <clears throat> cleanse our words. And my last point here, we need to cleanse our actions. Cleanse our actions. <clears throat> Our actions are the most outwardly presentation of our testimony, right? Now, let's take that one step further and say that our testimony may be the only representation of Christ that some people may ever see. Think about that for a minute. Let that sink in. I'm going to read it again. Our actions are the most outwardly presentation of our testimony, and our testimony may be the only representation of Christ that some may ever see. Some people may never come in through the front door of the church. Some people may never be handed a gospel tract. Some people may never get a chance to read a Bible. But they'll see you, and they'll see you, and they'll see you. And what does your testimony represent to them? Have any of you ever been out at the grocery store and someone comes up to you and says, Are you a preacher? Are you a Christian? Has that ever happened to anybody here? That's your testimony showing. That's that light that we're supposed to let shine showing to other people. They say, wow, there's something peculiar about that person. And hopefully, by peculiar, remember, that doesn't mean weird. It means separated, set apart, peculiar. I have to remind my kids all the time, the Bible says peculiar, not weird, Christopher. <laughs> I like to pick on Chris. He's a good kid. He's, he, he likes to act silly sometimes. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. We have to do. We have to do, but our actions have to be clean. Our actions have to represent Christ. Colossians 3.17, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Our actions must convey Christ. Now, I, on, uh, on October 26, 1997, after five in a row messages of this pastor preaching about sin and hell and how we're all sinners and we need to be saved, I finally came forward and got saved. That was October 26, 1997. Now, I could tell you that story in more detail. It's a lot of fun. I love telling it. I could spend an hour telling you my testimony. But after... after uh, after getting saved and graduating high school, I kind of got away from God a little while and ran around in the world. And one of the things that I picked up, one of the bad habits I picked up back then is, is I started smoking. All right? I've quit now. God called us back to church. We got right with God. We got in the center of his will and we quit smoking. But my pastor knows that I used to smoke. Okay? That's just a preface to this, to this story here. 
I managed a computer shop for a few years when we, you know, for, for a few years ago. That doesn't make sense, but okay. I managed a computer shop, and down the strip from the computer shop was a tobacco store. Now, the tobacco store had 24-ounce Mountain Dews for $1.25, and that was a phenomenal price even then. And if any of you have ever worked with computers or IT, you know that you can't even turn a computer on without a Mountain Dew in the other hand, right? <laughs> right. He's knowing. That's what's wrong. You need to have a Mountain Dew ready. But I would go down to this tobacco store in the, in the beginning of my shift, and I would buy a Mountain Dew. And then I would go down at lunch break, and I'd buy another Mountain Dew. And then I would go down towards the end of the day, and I'd buy another Mountain Dew. I was drinking three 24-ounce Mountain Dews a day. That's where this started, just so you know. But uh, I would just go down there for a few minutes. I'd buy a Mountain Dew, and I would talk to the lady for a few moments, and I'd go back to work. Not a big deal, right? Well, one day... After morning service, my pastor pulls me aside and he says, he says, Brother Klug, are you smoking again? Well, I was almost offended to tell you the truth. I mean, by the time this happened, uh, I was in the choir, I was uh, working in the sound booth and, and the live streaming and we were uh, working with junior church kids and junior camp counseling and working with the teen activities and, and it, I was getting into but every ministry that I could fit myself into I was getting into and my pastor now he's accusing me of smoking you know how wow okay I mean I was even helping out in the nursery you realize even a guy can duct tape a kid to a table for 45 minutes during church <laughs> but uh I was, I was almost offended, and I said, Pastor, what do you mean? I, of course I'm not smoking. He says, well, the other day I was at my dry cleaners. And, of course, the dry cleaners happened to be across the street from the tobacco store. He said, and as I pulled up to the red light to turn onto the main road, I saw you walking out of the tobacco store. Are you smoking? No, sir, I'm just there for the Mountain Dew. He says, okay, just wanted to make sure. So after church that morning, I, I, we were in the car ride home, and I, and I told my wife what happened. I said, oh, Pastor accused me of smoking. And she says, she says well, well, she gives me some, some, an interesting advice here. Now, men, if your wife ever gives you some advice and then can back it up with Scripture, you know you're in trouble. She says, she says well, how does that look? And then she backed it up with some Scripture. We all know 1 Thessalonians 5.22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Right. And I thought, oh, she got me with good advice and a Bible verse. I'm, I'm really hit now. i got to be good. So she started sending me Mountain Dew to work so I didn't have to go down there. But, but how does that look? How does that reflect on my testimony? What if across the street, instead of, instead of it being the pastor, what if it was another church member? What if it was a new church member what if it was a new convert you know and they see brother klug in the choir and and on the bus with their kids and and all this kind of stuff how does that look how does that make my testimony look now it what do you think about what if it was someone who had never been to church what do you think me walking out of a tobacco store was shining my light properly abstain from all appearance of evil we have to keep our actions clean I'm going to say this one more time before I move to the end here. Our actions are the most outwardly presentation of our testimony. And our testimony may be the only representation of Christ that some people may ever see. We have to keep our actions clean. We have to keep our hearts clean. 
We have to keep our eyes, our words, and our actions clean. Spiritual cleansing. Now you might be thinking, Brother Clue, how do I get this cleansing? How do I get my heart clean, my eyes clean, my words and my actions? How do I do this? Well, the first thing you need to do is if you never got your first cleaning, you know the cleaning that comes with the blood of Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him into your heart as your personal Savior, if you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, that's your very first cleansing there. Get that done right now. I might guess that everyone here has already been has already been saved, but you know what? I never know. I don't know. I would suggest if you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, if you've never been saved, do it now. We're never guaranteed even another minute on this earth. We're not even guaranteed another breath to live. You may not even wake up in the morning. You may not even make it home tonight. I don't want to scare anybody, but it's the truth. Get it done now. Come up to this altar at the end or, or, or kneel in your, in your pew or come find the pastor or, or, another, or the youth pastor or somebody. Even, I'll even talk to you about it if you'd like. Just get that taken care of now. But you say, okay, I got all that taken care of. I'm already saved. Amen. I'm very happy for you. Good. Oh, I can't wait to see you in heaven so I can say hello to you again. But you can ask God. Ask God, get on your knees, go to your prayer closet, go to your secret place, come to an altar and ask God to search you. Back to our psalm. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Ask God to to show you what's in your heart, to reveal what's in your mind, to show you what your words are, what your actions are, maybe show you what is in your vision that's taking your eyes off him. Just ask him to reveal this to you. But I tell you what, if you're going to ask him to reveal that, be ready for it. I preached this a few weeks ago and and a lady came to me afterwards and she said, Brother Klug, I really appreciate that. I asked God to reveal anything that was in my heart and it turned up a bunch of bitterness. And she was very surprised. But be ready for it. Be ready for it. Ask God to, to show you what's in your heart and what's in your eyes. Ask God to try you. Ask God to forgive you. Some of the things that we put our eyes on some of the things that are hard they're they're hard subjects i saw this infographic the other day and it was talking about how quickly some of these technologies throughout the years have gained to 40 million users and it showed that cars took 30 years to get to 40 million users okay it showed that facebook took six years to get to 40 million users and that's pretty quick 40 million people. Now, does anyone know what the number one website on the internet is? It's sa- What's that? No, it's not. It's really sad. It's Pornhub. Who wants to guess how long it took for 40 million users there? Nine hours. I was shocked when I saw it. Nine hours for 40 million. I know that's something that a lot of people struggle with. That goes to your heart. It goes to your eyes. It corrupts you in and out. It's a tough thing. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to help you get over whatever's in your eyes. Ask Him to help you get over whatever you're holding in your heart, wherever actions you're doing that maybe you don't know aren't corruptible. I didn't realize going to the tobacco store for Mountain Dew was, was going to cause such an issue. But I have to look at how others see it. Ask God to search you, to try you, 
to forgive you and to help you. And he will. The Bible says, whatever we ask in prayer, you shall receive. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time that we can come together, Lord, and and go through your word. Lord, I pray that if anyone here doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that they would come to know you tonight. Lord, I pray if anyone has anything in their heart, or if their eyes aren't on you, or their words, or their actions aren't aren't above reproach, Lord, that they would come ask you to help them with it and help them cleanse your heart. As children of God, we all want to be used by you, but Lord, we can't offer you a dirty vessel. We can't ask you to use someone who's not clean for your will. Cleanse us, Lord, tonight. We ask for it. We beg for it. We just need you to help us out. Lord, we ask all this in your Son's precious name. Amen.